Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hooper. He would often threaten me and would switch from being angry to being normal out of nowhere. Like, I really did not know what to expect. It was just flipped. Like, he would think things in his head and then he would just, like, act on them. And I had no idea what he was thinking. And, like, this went along with, like, him accusing me of infidelity all the time. Um, And it just, like, was constant. Um, And one day, like, we rotated at different hospitals around the area. And I was on one rotation where had really bad cell phone service um, where the operating rooms were just because it was like in the basement of the hospital. And so he accused me of going out to lunch with one of his friends and I actually didn't even see the message. And I'm pretty sure I was like scrubbed into a long case or something. And um, when he finally got a hold of me, he like texted me like, you will not be alive tomorrow if you come home tonight and then come home tonight. I dare you. And I honestly, like, I didn't know whether or not he like serious and but I was I remember actually being scared this time like he made threats all the time but like this he never threatened my life quite like like that um and this like was after the strangling thing so part of me thought maybe he was being serious and so I ended up calling one of my friends and I never did this like I did not reach out to anyone and I asked her if she could pick me up from work and so she um was on her way to pick me up. And then he called me and he acted like totally normal. Like he didn't just threaten my life. And it was just like, so crazy. And he would do that all the time where he just like flip. And I just like, he was just someone else. And I've heard like in other episodes, people talk about like, they looked in their eyes and they just were not there. Like he would just not be home. Like I wouldn't know who he was. Like there was just like looking in his eyes, he just like would be gone. And it was just like scary when he would get in that mode because I never knew what to expect like at all. Yeah. And I think that's some of that like mental illness things like that happen. Yeah. And I think um, it sounds like also very similar to um, like multiple personality disorder. Mm -hmm. Uh, because of how frequent the moods were or bipolar disorder. Um, I'm obviously not a therapist, but I like to study so much uh, because I just really want to understand people's behavior and why they behave the way that they do. And Mm -hmm. obviously that stemmed from having, you know, having been married to a, a sociopath and then to want to understand why he behaves the way that he does in his behavior. And, um, Mm -hmm it's scary when you don't know who you're coming home to. I never knew what I was going to walk into. It was like, yeah, I totally resonate with that. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. Like sometimes you come home and they like made dinner and like, they're wonderful. And then other times you're like, where were you all day? Like, what have you been doing? It's like, well, I don't, I was at school. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And you feel like almost I don't know. One, one therapist I had seen in the past, she said that, uh, it's like they're, they're the, um, they're controlling the temperature kind of like in your Mm. house. Um, like you, when they're hot, you're hot. When they're cold, you're Mm. cold. Mm -hmm. And it really affects your day-to-day life because you don't know what you're walking in on. You don't know if you're going to have a good day or a bad day or when the next good day is going to come 
or when the bad day is going to end, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's so when you're out of it, you've almost forget. I don't know. Do you feel like you almost forget what it was like to be in that? So dependent on not knowing what kind of person you were going to come home to that you almost like, I almost take it for granted now that I just have this like stable life sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I like, when I think about it, I'm like, Oh, I'm so like thankful that now coming home feels like I'm coming home to my safe haven and like home did not feel that way. Like home was not safe. And so I am always so grateful. Like there's just peace, you know, at home. And like, when I go to bed at night, I'm like, I'm just so grateful. Like, this is like my situation that I'm controlling. Like I'm in control of my surroundings and it is such a good feeling, mm-hmm. but it is like, I, I look back and like, I don't even recognize myself. Like I was just a shell of myself in that relationship. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you were like frozen in time. And like, now that you're out, you're like falling out and you are able to cultivate a life that you've envisioned for yourself. And it's, it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's so beautiful that you're able to come home to a place that you feel safe in and that brings you peace. Um, like that's the father's heart for you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it sounds like you had the same experience. Like, it's just like so amazing. I think like you don't have an appreciation for how like nice it is to have a peaceful home if you haven't experienced like what we've experienced, you know? Yeah. 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 I heard, um, we're going so many off on so many tangents. Um, but like, I just have to say this. I was talking to a, she, she's a DV survivor and uh, she was actually someone who helped me see that I was in an abusive relationship. So I met her mm-hmm. at the time that I was dating my ex and, or no, I was sorry. I was married to my ex and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was, she was, she used to be married to a psychopath and she was just sharing her story with me. Like she had no idea that I was going through anything. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting there thinking like, why do I relate so much to her story of like, she's sharing with me like her testimony and I'm just there. And and I was like, why do I relate so much to this lady's story, testimony, abusive, uh, ex-husband. And, and then, um, slowly I kind of started to piece things together. And that's, that's where the, I think God really sent her and put her in my life. And then God, I Um. kept meeting people who were uh, DV survivors, which was so strange at the time. And, um, really God was pulling me out and, you know, almost like throwing in that hook and I grabbed onto it and then he took me out. But, uh, she had said that she was married now currently to this man. And, um, he was this amazing man. And I was like, well, what's it like now? And she said, it's consistent. And Mm. she was like, I know that when I walk through the front door, he's going to be sitting there at the table doing something. And, but she was like, I know what I'm walking into every day that I get home. And she's like, maybe that sounds boring to you, but she was like the consistency and almost like the, the mundane that's, that's where I feel safe. And that's, that's for me, that's it. Like I'm content with just the mundane because, you know, for so long, 
uh, was a roller coaster of, you know, jolting here and there. And she was absolutely exhausted. And yeah, she was like, look, you know, in the future, like, as we continue to talk and I left my marriage, she was like, find somebody who is steady and Mm. consistent. And I thought that's really solid and really good advice. Um, yeah, ultimately what you, you want to find somebody who, you know, is just consistent, steady, mentally stable, um, one. (laughs) So, yeah. And I think it's hard, like for me, like it was such a process, like it, it evolved over time to where it's like, I, one day I knew him and then I felt like, you know, several years in, he was like, not the person I knew at all. Like he was a totally different person. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was not the person that I grew up with in youth group, like at all. Like literally a different human. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was, what do you feel was the most painful point of your story, sort of a climax within the time that you guys were together? Yeah. So this was like one night, it was a weekend between like what I would say probably my two hardest rotations in medical school. Um, and he was like combing through my phone, which he did a lot actually. Um, and he saw that I had a conversation with one of my friends, um, that I had been friends with forever since I'm great. And we just been talking about finding a time to catch up. And he like immediately like threw my, threw his hands up and I knew it. And he accused me of cheating. And, um, and I really, I never had done anything inappropriate with him, like at all. We were really just friends. Um, but this was one of my friends that he had accused me of being with a lot. Um, but he was someone that we were both friends with, like throughout college, even high school. And, and he legit, like, he just lost it that night. Um, and the best way I can like describe it is he just had like a psychotic episode. Like he took my phone and he just like, like beat it against the counter to the point that he broke the plastic case, like shattered the screen and he even like bent the metal of the phone. And then he uh, took a, one of our like large clocks off the wall. He just like threw it on the ground and punched a couple holes in the wall. Like I had never like ever witnessed this kind of thing in my life. And it was like very traumatic for me. Like my parents, like they never fought like that. I, I never was exposed to trauma like this as a child or anything. And, um, and part of me, I wonder if like, I may have blocked out parts of that night just because it was so traumatic. And I don't remember him like being physical with me and all that night. I just remember being so fearful, like I just like curled up on the corner of the couch and I was just like praying he would stop. And he was just yelling at me that he like threatened to share like sensitive photos of me online and social media and said he was going to ruin me. And like at one point he was just like running around the house and I like packed a bag with like just like the bare things I needed. And I, I actually thought about leaving that night and I even got to the point where I was in the car. Um, but I didn't have a phone and I, I honestly like didn't know where I would go. And I just like told myself like, I need to get through medical school and like everything I have is in this house. Like I just mm-hmm. didn't know what to do. So I ended up staying and he kind of calmed down, but, um, like I didn't call my mom that night. And I think that I knew deep down if I would have, that it would have been over. And I just like, don't think I was ready to let it go because he would just like, he would threaten suicide a lot. And, um, you know, I, I loved him and I didn't want that to happen to him. And I kind of knew he was like mentally unstable, that he might actually do that. And so I like felt an obligation, like 
you know, as his wife, but also as someone who like proclaims to like be in medicine. And like, I didn't like want that to happen to him because I feel like it would have been my fault, you know? And so he would say things like, oh, if I find out you cheated, like I'm going to hang myself in the garage or like, so I just like felt a responsibility to take care of him. And so that was like the night that the next day he agreed to go to the hospital, but like he wouldn't actually let himself get checked in. And so it was kind of like for not like he didn't end up getting help. Um, like I wish he would have, but during like that whole process, he actually like gave me an ultimatum that I needed to like stop being on birth control and get pregnant and like have a kid. And I just like, I remember like I was able to be strong for the idea of my future children. Like there was no way I was going to bring a kid into this like situation where he's just punched a bunch of holes in the wall. Like I'm not, you know, going to expose my kid to that trauma. But for some reason, I was like strong for the thought of my future children, but not for myself, Mm. which is like interesting to think about now. Yeah. Well, I think you're, (laughs) oh, sorry. That was a lot. Um, (laughs) um, So what made you leave? um, And how did, how did you do it? So the way I like to think about it is kind of like, I feel like definitely God was the reason it happened. Um, it was like stacking up dominoes over time. And then eventually they just like all came crashing down. But um, it took about three months, like for things to actually end. And I, it took me having to travel across the country for military training to really start seeing things. Um, cause we couldn't have our phones and he just like had no control over my life during that time. And, um, even though it was like supposed to be a pretty difficult training that was taxing, I actually like had a good time and I had friends for like the first time in years. I had a leadership position and I was, I was really thriving in this like kind of brutal environment or like how it would feel like brutal to me. Cause it's like very different than my life. And Um, what I was used to, but my parents came to my graduation, um, for my training and they told me that I looked like I was glowing and that they hadn't seen me that happy in years. And then it was just very bizarre to me for them to say that. And then my ex showed up and they told me that as soon as he showed up, like my glow was just gone. Like it was just disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I remember like over time, I like didn't really miss him. I was like, really like didn't even want to go home like I was just like having a good time even though it was like not a great environment and so um another piece of this is I actually learned that he was cheating on me like about a week before I flew out there and Mm. I didn't have like the mental capacity to end things at that point like I had a training to worry about like some other things like a board exam like all this stuff at once and I was just like I literally don't even have time to end this but I think a part of me broke when I found out because my whole life, I always like cheating is the thing for me because my dad and like infidelity was a big deal. And so that's why I never was unfaithful ever. I never thought about it. But for him to like find out that he had been was like, I think it was like over for me internally. Like even though it wasn't like over that day, it just like set up um, me to be able to like end things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I ended up – my cousin through some series of events ended up seeing like some messages that he had sent me because I went out with her one night when I was visiting back home and um, he was like very controlling. Like I had to ask permission to do anything. So he let me go out with her and she Mm -hmm. saw like him blowing up my phone and 
calling me all kinds of names. And she just was like, this is not like normal for someone that took a call their wife this. And, um, she was like immediately angry about it. And I started to like realize like what she was saying was right. Like, no, this is not normal to be spoken to this way. And so, um, over the span of like the next few days, I, um, I had like a surgery to scrub into and, he was like threatening to quit his job and leave. Cause he just like would do that all the time. He was just like very unstable. Like we had talked about before, like they're just up and down. And so him threatening to quit his job and move and all these things and end things was not abnormal. And it was normal for me. Like I just never believed it. But I remember like that day, I just like wanted to be focused on surgery. Like I was like, I'm here to learn. I'm just like, I'm not taking this with me and I'm not going to let my phone blow up in my pocket. So I just turned my phone off and when I turned it on again, I had this like string of messages on different types of social media from him. And he left me these like threatening voicemails that, oh, if, um, that I would never be safe and he'd be right there ready to mess everything up for me. And I think it was just like that, like, I was just like, I just want to be done with this. Like this, like neither of us are happy. This is not a healthy thing. Like, like that coupled with like knowing he had been unfaithful. I just like, I was done and I um, ended up like I was with my mom and he had called me and he was just berating me over the phone and she could hear what he was saying. And I told him like, I just want to be done. And I only could do that because she was right there. And so I was able to end things um, because I was away from him for one and two, because I had my family like right there. And so I ended up having to like cut him out because he was able to manipulate me so well that I just knew that I couldn't do it alone. And so I came clean about like all the things that had been going on and my family, like they were heartbroken to like hear the truth. Like I remember we had this dinner and they were like, we were all just sobbing. Like they had no idea like what was going on. And Mm -hmm. they were just like heartbroken that they, that I didn't feel like I could tell them. I remember like, you know, even to this day, mom's like never get to a point where you don't talk to me about something, you know? And so like being vulnerable and like letting the shame go and just opening it up was able to like let things be cleaned out. And so like once that happened, like things honestly were like a whirlwind. Like I got a lawyer, I got a restraining order and like moved all my things out of the house within like a week. Like it was actually insane how things happened. But that's why I say like, it was like dominoes just like, like (laughs) going down, you know, and, um, I was, it was just like, I feel like it was really God. Like I never even thought about leaving, like ever ending things. I just like accepted that was my life. Um, But then like when I let like people in, um, the people that love me, it's just like, it was amazing. Like I ended up getting a roommate with one of my best friends, um, just like the same area where I was going to med school, but it was just perfect because I wasn't ready to live alone, you know, after going through this. Right. And going through all this trauma and like I ended up having um, acute stress disorder like right at first where my body was like feeling all this adrenaline that I had been like kind of building up like where I would just my I would get all sweaty and my heart would be racing and sleeping was super hard. And this was actually like during the time I was interviewing for residency. So it was like the worst time I was flying all over the country trying to do interviews like not getting any sleep because I just like had all of this anxiety of going on. but. Um, it was just like amazing how things happened. And I'm just so grateful that they did because I just know that like, it was just a matter of time before he hurt me to a point to like, I wouldn't recover from and he would threaten my life and stuff. And 
um, just the fact that he would get more and more physical. I, I know now that like, it was just by the grace of God that he just like said enough, you know, cause I always like, like stayed faithful the whole time. Like I would try to go to church even by myself, you know, through all of this. And, um, I never even really prayed to get out of it, honestly. And so for me to be able to come out of it and like the way things happen, like I'm just so grateful. Hmm. It's definitely really a, uh, a miracle because I mean, uh, the amount of times like that, uh, a victim will leave the abusive relationship and then return. It's, I don't, I don't know what the exact number is, but I know it's pretty high and Mm-hmm. I literally had to like, like live in a different country <laughs> to not go back, yeah. you know? And so yeah. the fact that you were able to one day just be like, I'm done, um, pack your bags, move out, and then, you know, really be done with it. But I do think in some senses, your heart was prepared already. Like you weren't in a marriage. You weren't, you weren't married to this, <laughs> <No. laughs> you, like you know, truly. And so it's like, no. You, I think over time, like when you left, it was like, you had been like, you're, I think, I think you knew like, this is not. Yeah. And I, you know, I think part of it, like in my mind, divorce was failure and I am very like Enneagram one type a, like, I don't like to fail. And so I literally like did everything to make it work. Like I did all the things. And after a while, you just like have to realize like, this is not on me to make this thing work, you know? And I think it's hard to accept that, you know, especially because like divorce has, you know, the connotation that it has in society and um, it's frowned upon, especially as a Christian. And so like, I've had to like unlearn a lot of things to be able to like give myself grace, you know, like this is not what God says marriage is and divorce is not this like unforgivable sin. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also like that, like you said that even like when you found out that he was cheating on you, I feel like that was really where things shifted and Mm. like, (laughs) People are, some people don't agree with this and that's fine, but you know, cheating, uh, infidelity is not like, that is not like the final say like, okay, well only if this happens, then I'm going to be able to be released from my marriage. Exactly. And that's like such a pervasive thought. And it's so untrue because Like the Bible also says, like your husband needs to love you like Christ loved the church. And like, if you're being abused, that's definitely not it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Essentially it's diminishing the covenant that you made. Yeah. Yeah. And, but it's like, you stick around like waiting for that final straw, but like, that is not, you know, that does not need to be the only thing that happens that like makes divorce. Okay. You know, Mm -hmm. exactly. And it's, it's truly like disheartening the amount of pastors who advocate and who not even adv- advocates the wrong word, who, who will misuse scripture to, uh, give advice to wives, um, to stay yeah. in these abusive relationships. And those are the first questions asked, is he cheating yeah. on you or did he hit you in the face? And 
punch you you and it's absolutely ridiculous and so it's like I remember like waiting to like try I would literally try to let out that he was cheating on me that would be my my flag to go Mm -hmm. I would yeah I used to pray like oh like I hope he cheats someday so then I can be free but it's like that's ridiculous like (laughs) it just is yeah, it is. It's, it's ridiculous. It's unhealthy in, in your life. You would have lost your life. Had you not uh, decided. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of women who have lost their life just yeah. on that thought alone. Yes. Or have stayed for, I know, I actually know many, um, wives who are like in their late fifties, uh, who've reached out, who are, who stayed in these abusive marriages for, you know, 40 years or, you know, you know, 20 years and and they're literally like their lives, like they, they've wasted, not wasted, but like they, yeah, wasted like the the good time that they could have spent being loved and valued by somebody because they are being told that they need to stay or they're being conditioned to think that this is the father's heart for them. And it's not. And, you know, then they finally get out, but like, I mean, the amount of trauma we've experienced in a shorter time being married. Can you imagine mm-hmm. having been in something like Ugh. this for 20 plus years? I mean, it sounds like a miserable life. Like yeah. so miserable. Yeah. It's so sad. It's so, it, it's like so disheartening. Yeah. Yeah. I wish that like, that wasn't the narrative that was being spoken, you know, that it has to be cheating or nothing. Like that is not truly like, what God's heart is for marriage, you know, <laughs> it's not, and it needs to be talked about more. And I agree. we actually have like a pastor come on. He is a therapist at the clinic I go to and mm. he, he's a pastor and he's also a therapist, which is super cool. That's and amazing. He actually talks. He's a, he's a domestic violence, uh, that's his specialty. So he works with specifically DV survivors and he's like a godsend. Like he's amazing wow. and he's going to do a talk on this. And I was asking, That's awesome. Hey, like, could we, would you like come on and talk about this subject? He was like, I don't know my, like, I'm, it's going to, he's like, I'm going to let you know, like people aren't going to like what I have to say. And I was like, that's okay. Yeah. That's the point. This is, I mean, on like, sometimes those things need to be said, you know, yeah. like, it's the truth. Isn't always something you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's true. And it's, I mean, that's the point though, is to get people to think about it and to, uh, talk about it and have conversations about it. And I think a lot of times people don't even really know what they think about it because, uh, you know, some it frustrates me because it's like, you know, who are you to say that I should stay in my marriage? Yeah. Uh, that's abusive. Um, unless he does, you know, this, because it's like to be abused and to have to go through like severe psychological and mental abuse. Um, it's like, even, even that difference of like, okay, well, um, is he hitting you? And it's like you, the, I mean, you experienced, um, like the marital rape, right. And you experienced extreme, extreme levels of high stress under psychological and emotional abuse. And it's literally incredible that you are thriving the way that you are. That That is God. It truly is God because like, yeah. you know, our, we're not meant to be under such high amounts of stress like that. So the fact that you're like no. thriving the way that you are, I mean, 
it's, it's crazy. Like abuse is abuse and there's no like, okay, well, if it gets this bad, then you can leave. Like, who are you to say that? Like for somebody. Right. No. Yeah. That's, that's And I, um, you can that. edit this out later. Cause I, it's just like an aside, but I like, before I decided to leave things, like I watched this, um, discussion on YouTube of this, like pastors, like talking about like abuse in marriage and how, like, that is a very valid reason to get a divorce. And I remember re- watching that, like, really? Like, so sh- so blown away that somebody would actually talk about it. Like, oh, you, I don't have to be cheated on to leave. Like, I could actually, like, this is a valid reason. Like, yeah. like people are just okay with this happening. And I'm like, it's shocking to me, especially now, like, out of it. Like, I can't imagine, like, ever condoning that for anyone else. Mm. Yeah. And I want to clarify, like to the people listening, like, like there is a difference between somebody who let's say two people are married and one of the, you know, spouses, um, has an anger problem and they, uh, physically, let's say that they are fighting and they hit, hit, hit one or the other. Um, but then they are remorseful. They go to therapy, they go to counseling, they do, you know, a year of, you know, uh, anger management classes and they're seriously repentant and the wife chooses to, you know, you know, be with them, then, okay, then that's, that's that wife's choice, obviously. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but like, that's like, if there's like a true repentance and there's a true work and it doesn't happen again, that's that's like, that's a completely different thing. But like what we're talking about is like consistent abuse that is happening that is not being taken um there's no accountability um there's yeah. no uh a therapy being done there's no no change of heart no repentance but consistent and intentional abuse that is not the father yeah. part for somebody that is not marriage right mm-hmm. it... no so, yeah it's that cycle you know yeah. like a one off like one time thing is is not the same by yeah. any means yeah it's not the same yeah <sighs> also this topic really makes me um I'm very passionate about it (laughs) it's really where my heart lies I think um but okay so what is your vision and dreams now and where are you at now yeah so this is my favorite part of your podcast actually I just like love to hear like how people's stories are redemptive. Um, cause I know that God just does such a good work from such awful things. But, um, for me, so I was able to finish medical school. Um, I didn't do as well as I probably would have if I hadn't had the home life that I did. And like, honestly, nobody knew, you know, I did not, I tried not to carry it with me to work. Um, I know that my confidence was a lot lower than for sure. And it, I think that probably played a role, but, um, thankfully I was able to get through it. Um, and God has been so faithful to get me here. Um, and I am pursuing my calling and continuing like on this path that he has for me. I'm in my surgery specialty training, um, doing general surgery and I'm across the country from my ex and I have some of the best friends and colleagues I could ever ask for. I went through really intensive therapy. Um, it was like every week for several months after things happened and had to unlearn a lot of things that, um, that were really unhealthy and I had to replace them with like truth and healthy mindsets and different things. Um, so I read a lot of books, um, happy to recommend books. 
And I, I really like was built up by my community, like the community of people that they knew me like in my relationship and they walked with me through it, like through the ending of it. And they were so wonderful. Like they would pray with me, like they were like so vital. And I feel like a lot of, um, God's work happens in community and it was just so important for me. Um, so I really stressed that too for other people. Um, but I, I found myself again, like I was lost and I found myself and it was a process. Like it didn't happen overnight. I had to like relearn things I liked because he didn't let me like certain things. And I remember like, remember thinking, wait, I actually like this thing. Like, why did I think I couldn't like it? And so there were a lot of moments like that actually in the healing process. Um, so it took time, uh, but I made friends. Like I became close with my family again. And they, fe- they all told me like, they feel like they got me back, um, which is very like eye opening, um, but really good. Um, and I told myself, and this is kind of like my whole platform and even like sharing my story is that if I'm able to even help just one person through what I've experienced, then I feel like it's all worth it. Mm. Um, I actually, as a physician, I have a really unique role where I can connect with patients who have traumatic injuries because I take care of trauma patients, like as a surgeon and, um, I see domestic violence like in my job. And so I never like thought I would have this in my life, but I've had patients that I have prayed with and I've cried with, and I can look at them in the eyes and say, like, I know what this is like. And I, and they know I mean it and like we can connect. And it's just such a beautiful thing um, that I would not have if I didn't have this awful experience. And so I'm seeing like the ways God can bring beautiful things from like awful, painful experiences. And I'm so grateful for that. And I know that there's just like so much I don't even know yet, but just to see like glimpses, I'm like, this is like, could be so beautiful. And like some, like my heart cry is Romans 8, 28. And that's, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are calling, called according to his purpose for them. And this is just a verse I hold on to. Um, Like my calling is medicine and worship leading. Um, but I also feel like through this, I have like a calling to like women's ministry just to like support victims mm-hmm. and men like that are going through this. Um, and I just, I feel like there's going to be good from this pain and heartache that I've endured. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm honestly just like speechless. Um, I think it's it's also my favorite part of the podcast and just the redemption that, that you've experienced like in your life. Um, and yeah, I just, I have so much admiration for you because I know, I know what it's like to go through this and you sharing like your story and, just how like just how truly like strong you are and that sounds kind of like I don't know like a cliche thing to say almost but it's like (laughs) you're literally just you're so strong and the fact that you have this job this profession where you're able to relate with people in their most traumatic moments and say I have been through this too and like Mm -hmm. this doesn't have to be your life like that is mm-hmm. literally so powerful. 
it, I honestly like, and it's, I've had times where like, they don't want to hear it yet. And it's okay. Cause like, it's not my job to make sure that they, you know, leave or whatever. But like, I want to like, sow those seeds. I want to speak those words because I, I know being told things that I wasn't ready to hear, but I held on to them. And so mm. like, I, I just want to speak it whenever I can. Mm. Yeah. And the, the enemy hates, I just, the enemy hates your calling. And so, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's, it's such a powerful position that the Lord has placed you in to speak life and truth into these patients. And, um, I, I just know that they're so lucky like you just sound like such an incredible human and it's like oh you're so sweet thank you I just love you so much and I'm just like oh um so honored like I'm like emotional again okay I'm just like so honored to have you in this so kind it's like um this is like you are like why I do this and so it's like um your story holds like so much power and, um, just to have, sorry. Okay. Um, just to have like you on this, on this podcast and like to hear like a story of like true redemption, it's just like, it's so encouraging. And I really mm-hmm. hope that I know that it's going to move so many hearts. Um, I hope so. And yeah, I'm just so expectant for your future and I'm excited to like be able to get to see that and know you and to really see you walk out, um, in the calling that, that the father has for you, even within ministry and who you're going to help in the future. I mean, you just have an incredible testimony. Thank you. I'm honored to be a part of it. Um, something I did want to say that I didn't write in my outline was that I've like been listening to some of the other stories and like it breaks my heart to hear that people are seeking help at a hospital and they're asking, you know, people are asking if they're safe at home, but we learned that you are not supposed to ask that to somebody with family around. You are supposed to have them alone. And we learn that if family or their partner is like unwilling to leave, like that is a huge sign that there's probably violence going on. And so it just, it makes me so sad that there are these opportunities where they could get help. And we're like doing them a disservice as a provider by not taking that time to like really ask them, like, are you okay at home? Because we learned this. So it's like, it made me so frustrated to hear other people's stories that like, that they didn't even have their significant other leave. Like we know not to do that. And so it's, it seems almost like nonchalant the way they're asking it. And so I just, it made me sad to hear that other people going through it that way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cool that you're, you are a medical professional, so you can say like, that's not accurate. That's not being handled. Mm-hmm. Properly. Um, yeah. and I almost feel like it would be, I was thinking about this. Um, like I feel like within, you know, advocating against domestic violence, like I feel like health professionals, I don't know if they're like, uh, if, but I feel like it would be beneficial for, um, like health professionals, doctors, nurses, to be able to have like some sort of like, uh, t- I know they're so, you, the health field, like you're so busy as it is and like mm-hmm. have such a high workload, but like just to have something 
available to health professionals to better understand DV and how to yeah. care and yeah. in a proper way, you know? I agree. Yeah. We, I've had training before in it. And so like, it was a very weird experience for me to like be doing this training and being like, I remember like sobbing through this training, like, oh my gosh, this is my life. Or like, this wasn't my life, you know, cause I, I did it after the fact, but, um, like we are expected to know this stuff, like how to kind of spot certain things. And so I do think it needs to be more of a requirement for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's, it's such a prime spot as well to be in the, like to be a nurse or a doctor and to, uh, to get someone alone and say, Hey, are you safe? Um, when they're not around somebody else, because it's, it's an opportunity to pull them out at least temporarily, mm-hmm. if not, mm-hmm. if not forever. And so, um, yeah, it's definitely important. Um, so thank you for saying that. Cause I know a lot of people have felt like a disservice, I think, uh, mm-hmm. when they, you know, have had health professionals handle it this way. Yeah, I agree. Um, so lastly, Caitlin, what is one thing that you would say um, to our listeners as a tip? So something that I think, at least for my life, was really huge was just like, let your loved ones in. I know that it's so hard. um, And there's just like we've talked about, there's so much shame involved in this entire thing with domestic violence. Um, But your loved ones, like they see things that you don't realize that they see. Mm -hmm. Um, They see the flags. They see that you aren't acting like yourself, like they know you and they see that there's things going on and our abusers are really good at isolating us. So this makes it even harder to, to open up, but I wish I would have been honest with the people that love me earlier. Like, and, and I just want to say to anyone who's going through this or might be an abusive relationship, like if you know somebody like, don't stop being there for them. Like sometimes it feels like your words are falling on deaf ears, but they're listening. Like, even if they don't act on it right away, like you're sowing seeds. Um, and when you speak the truth, it matters. So be patient and understanding and just keep loving your significant others through this. Um, and your loved ones through it. Like they might not be ready to hear what you have to say, but they are listening. I promise. Um, and I just want other victims to know, or other survivors to know that you're just, you're not alone. Like you feel alone when you're going through it. But just knowing that you're seen, like you're loved, there's purpose for your life and you're so worthy of being loved. Mm. Mm. So good, Caitlin. Yeah. Um, I'm super grateful for you to like have joined me here and you've just been like an absolute like breath of fresh air for me and Yeah, really like, uh, have just, I mean, this whole conversation has been healing even for me. And so I can't imagine the impact that it's going to have on the people listening. And I definitely like sense a calling placed on your life, uh, past the point of even just the medical field, but like you were saying within ministry, um, because of, I think the way that you are able to even articulate your words and communicate. Um, and I can just tell you just have a very, you're very authentic and genuine. And I think that it's going to be, yeah, you're just going to impact a lot of lives. And I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see that you. 
fully walk alongside you in that and just be friends and um yeah I'd love to (laughs) and just share share more stories um as we've talked for like nearly two hours I know I'm sure you have so much to cut out (laughs) there's so much gold here and and it may be longer than you know expected but I think that this is like you know the Holy Spirit got I always pray like that the Holy Spirit would guide um, the conversation because I never want it to be like just like you know we read through our outline and we're done but yeah um, yeah that's what I've been praying too and like honestly like I'll be honest I was nervous like I have not shared this with people other than like very few close people in my life because I almost like when things ended I was actually like able to recreate my life. And so it's not even like most common knowledge that I'm a divorced, you know, like people don't know that, like I'm young enough that people wouldn't assume that, you know? And so this has been like a really big step for me, um, to like start this process of like really like coming out with what's been going on. Cause like for me, um, in the medical field, like being a female is hard and then in surgery, it's even harder. So a long time I felt a lot of like, if people knew I was a survivor, you know, or I went through this, like, they're not, they're going to think, you know, this or that about me. And so it's been something that's been hard for me to deal with, like coming out in the open with things. But um, also, like, you are not immune to domestic violence, even if you're educated, or if you like are a doctor or nurse, or like, whatever you are, like, everybody goes through this like no one is immune to it mm. and I think that um like in society we don't we kind of like paint pictures in our minds of who are victims you know and it's it's like it's not true you know like it is so prevalent and it's not talked about and it's a huge issue that we need to like bring the light you know yeah and I think it's even you can even take that and reverse it like in the same context of like um the victim but also the abuser yeah um because I think like yeah we paint pictures of like what an abuser would look like in in yeah be like and then you know vice versa with the the survivor the you know the victim and so um yeah like anybody could be either role and like people are really good at hiding it yeah I feel like that that's like that would that will that's a good topic like to talk about in the future. I feel like that could be a, yeah. its own episode at some point. Um, but okay, Caitlin, thank you so much. I'm truly so grateful to have you in this space and I'm really expectant for this, this episode or these two episodes to air. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to it. And yeah, again, I'm just, thank you for being open to come on here and share your story. Um, and, um, yeah, honored that this is sort of a stepping stone for you to be able to share your story. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm again, I'm so honored to be a part of it. And, um, I think that like, this is such a beautiful ministry that you have and, like, I'm excited to see, like, what God does with it. Because I already know, like, just listening to stories, like, the other stories, I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like, you know, I'm not alone. Like, I've felt this way. And, like, all these other, like, things that have happened, they're very similar. And it's such an amazing thing to have community, you know. And, like, I think we all get strengthened by that. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, guys. So tune in next week. For Tashina, uh, she is actually one of my good friends and mentors. So you won't want to miss it. Tune in next week. Thanks for listening.